God, I'm so stuffed. Oh, God. I'm still getting over Thanksgiving. Uh, uh. <laughs> well, it's interesting is everybody uh, eats to their full degree, and I've never like gone full tilt. Well, no, I, I used to do that when I was younger. Now Nowadays, uh, when you eat that much, then it sends you to the emergency room. So, yeah. so you know, you yeah. don't want to overdo it. Um, I, I, yeah, I used, we were kids, I'd used to, I'd, I'd used to do plates to do now. That's usually what I do. Oh yeah, I don't even. I think I do. I do one. two plates, and then I'll get maybe a dessert, and then I'm done. So yeah, I'm, I'm very traditional when it comes to just Thanksgiving food in general. So what, what do you eat? Um, you get the turkey, you get the ham. Uh, turkey, ham. Um, one of the things that I love, and I know it's probably just me, but I really love baked stuffed shrimp, That's and I get it never every heard that year one for the last couple of years. Uh, for for Thanksgiving, no, it's non traditional, <laughs> but it's like it's if there's an excuse for me to eat oh, it, yeah. I want to oh, have of course. it. So, I mean, I guess sitting around and eating food is a good enough excuse to just throw that we, in there. My parents um, uh, got themselves a fryer, like a big, like a, like oh. a big legit one, so that they could do a fried turkey, like a yeah, deep yeah, fryer. Yeah, yeah, I see those videos with people. They got it's like they have like the gloves and they're just yeah, like yeah. dangling it over the, the deep fryer yeah. outside and they're about to like dump it in like a bat a vat of acid Basically, or something yes. <laughs> so they they did that i've never I, and that. i never had a fry deep fried turkey it was it was pretty good the skin is amazing i bet it's nice oh and it's crispy. nice it's nice um yeah so yeah that i had a good thanksgiving i had two thanksgivings i had to i went over to my oh. uh future in-laws to 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 eat and then the next day i went and did it with my parents so yeah Okay, I thought you did two in the no, same day. No, no, just one on Wednesday, one on Thursday. That's a lot yeah. of eating. Um, yeah, for for those of you who are not in the United States and listening to this newest episode of the Cinema Discovery Project, um, with your co-hosts, as always, myself, Andrew Cabral, and Stephen hey. Billings, um, Thanksgiving is a yearly tradition here in the, United, in the United States, and it's only for the United States. Other countries have their own quote-unquote Thanksgivings, but ours is what every last Thursday in yes. November, every yes. single year, and a lot of people don't understand what it's all about. Um, it's not a big, huge history lesson. It just goes back to like, like pilgrim times and like the first first harvest of surviving the first winter and all that kind of stuff. It's honestly not the best historical holiday in hindsight. Yeah, I'm, surpri- I'm surprised social mo- media hasn't destroyed this holiday by now. Well, what's interesting is I think Columbus Day gets a lot more heat now. Yeah. For the for you know its negative connotations on history, than I think Thanksgiving is because Thanksgiving's kind of morphed into a holiday for I guess people to just get together with family and be thankful. They, ju- for they, they, they don't care about things. What they're they have. just getting ready for Black Friday anyway. They don't. Yeah, they don't care about the historical significance of Thanksgiving as opposed to like Columbus Day, where it's just. A, I'm not a day sure that most Americans care about yeah. the United States historical anything. Yeah, they don't, they don't no, care. I, I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, this is not a history podcast, but I'm just saying, for those of you who don't know, like that's what Thanksgiving is, and it's basically for people just to get together and eat a lot of food and watch television or whatnot. It's kind of like a pre-Christmas pre-holiday thing. It really is because you kind of do the same thing on Christmas. At least yeah, I've it, feel, it feels about the same. Where, Except you get more. Yeah, you get more. Like you, instead thing. of going out and shopping for things that you want, you're getting them. On that, on, yeah, right, yeah. right. But, but, yeah, but you know, tr- yeah. this episode, yeah, but transitioning. Yeah. I was gonna say, let's transition into um, the, the episode that we're going to be talking about. Uh, co- not, not coincidentally, 
food movies, movies and food, uh, movies and food, uh, food and movies. Do you eat your movies um, with food? <laughs> I often watch movies while Oh, I'm yeah, eating, a lot. If yeah. that's, if that's, that's a my thing. favorite. Um, yeah. So, but we're just kind of, it's going to be a laid back episode of just kind of just us mentioning different movies that have to do with food or different moments in movies that have food in them. Maybe some good um, pairings. Bef- Maybe some good pairings yeah. with like, what foods do I eat with Perhaps. certain movies? I guess. I don't know. I, I thought that, that, that might I be interesting. I kind of just eat that anything. Interesting. We'll do a little improv here. Eat... Yeah, a little <laughs> improv. But before we get into that, both Steven and I have now seen Martin Scorsese's newest film, The Irishman. It has now been both in theaters and is now on Netflix. And it is three and a half hours long. And Steven saw it in the theater. I watched it at home on my television. And it's it's a film that I really, really like. I, and I think I, I we want fig- to touch I on it briefly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a movie, man. It's not for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, um, look, we talked about it off. We on. talked about it off camera. I, I like the movie. I, I think. I mean, there's no denying how the greatness of Scorsese, his filmmaking prowess, and the actors that are on display in this movie. I just found the movie to be nothing necessarily new from Scorsese. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm somebody that's always looking for the next thing to wow me and Scorsese is always an event he's always somebody that you're going you're like I can't wait to see his next film but this movie to me kind of felt like a collection of greatest hits um his greatest actors all I'm surprised he just didn't try to get DiCaprio in there just to be in there somewhere um it would have been been pretty cool to get the old guard and the new guard together that would have been pretty cool yes it would have um I'll say this um I do agree with what you're saying And I can understand your perspective, and I, like I said, I don't disagree with it. For me, it's an interesting film because it just so it just shows a a master doing masterful work when it comes to the um, art of filmmaking, the technical aspects of filmmaking, the acting. I think is really fantastic. You have some of the you know the best all time well known actors in this film. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro is in it. I'll say this: Joe Pesci basically coming out of retirement or out of obscurity to slip back into a Martin Scorsese film is one of the more surprising things to me because he's, he's, he's great in it. Well, he's, he's in the role and he plays in. the opposite of what he always typically plays, which is very understated and very, you know, not in your face, which is what he's known for. I think people expected him to be like, you know, brash and, and yelling at people and, you know, and he's really, which is typically, yeah. What he's been in Scorsese's yeah. films, whether it be Goodfellas, whether it be Casino, yeah. whether it be Raging Bull, um, S- Raging Bull, yeah, this is more subdued and more serious yeah. role for him because he's playing a a mobster, a gangster. For those of you who are not familiar with this, the plot of this movie, just basic basic synopsis: it's based on true events, true events, which is no big shocker for a Scorsese film. He seems to like to do those nowadays, whether it be Silence or even Goodfellas is based on real people, real story, Casino. I don't think quite was. I'm not sure. But um, uh, basically this film is centered around the character Frank Sharon, who's portrayed by Robert De Niro. And it's a film that basically takes place throughout his life. He was a... a some He was like kind of like a muscle guy for 
uh, like mobsters back in the 60s, specifically, I think, centered around Philadelphia or that area. He also was great friends with Jimmy Hoffa, who is someone who, quote unquote, disappeared in the mid 1970s and nobody ever found his body. And it's been one of the biggest uh, kind of mysteries of what actually happened to him. The film, you know, shows us, but whether that is the actual truth or not, I guess is left up to what you do or do not believe. But it's probably what happened if you know kind of the the fact that, yeah, the uh, fact that mobsters and gangsters, yeah, the fact that, that, that a body's never been found, there's only so many things that could have happened and that's a pretty likely one yeah considering the relationship he had with you know mobsters and gang and the gangs at the time and just how in politically entangled he was yeah. jimmy hoffa was somebody who uh, was a president of a big teamsters big union in the united states back in the 50s all the way through the late 1960s then he had a lot of contentiousness when it came to like the Kennedy administration yeah. which you see in the movie and and he ended up in prison and then all kind of stuff happened but you basically get all of these kind of big time events and things through the character of Frank Sheeran and what I really found was fanta- was fantastic about the movie is you see how that life really negatively affected um, this person of Frank on a personal level. It's a very interesting film when it comes to just what it's dealing with thematically from that perspective because he, I mean, and I don't want to spoil anything, but just to say, it can be a very uh, interesting, lonely, regretful um, life that is not, that it has been glorified in movies before, it has been glorified in Martin Scorsese films before with this mobster life, this gangster life, but, oh, it's so cool. You know, you're just going into some place whacking somebody and then somebody gets rid of the body. You know, you're 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 rubbing elbows with like famous important people in in town and whatnot. But no, it can have a negative side to it too when all it's when it's all said and done. It's like I said, it's a three and a half hour film, but I honestly didn't really feel the runtime. I was fully engaged with it. Because the plot pacing is so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steven, did you feel it? I know you were in the theater, so that's a different experience well, than no, sitting no, no. at home. I, I, I felt it was. I felt it didn't. Fe- it didn't feel long necessarily to me. I mean, of course, when the people around you take you out of the movie, it can. It doesn't help sometimes, but you know, because you know, is it's good. Is even the people that go to see the three and a half hour Scorsese movie, they're still going to be annoying people at that movie, um, of course. Oh yeah, um, but. I, no, I, the, the the length of the movie never bothered me. I never got up to have to go to the bathroom, never checked my watch. You know, it, 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 I was very engaged. Um, I think for me, I mean, we, we, we should, I guess we should discuss this a little bit. I think some of the early de-aging in the movie kind of kind right. of bothered me a little bit because, and this is the thing, um, I understand wanting to, you know, have these, you know, this is a very epic movie in the sense of de- definitely covering a long period of time. You know, you're supposed to be following De- especially De Niro's character through a time when I mean even going back to his his 20s all the way up until his death or whenever or in his late well, not death but in his late his late age, you know, cuz we literally see a scene of him in in war. Um and right. WW2. Yeah, and he, he was obviously like in his 20s. I think that that scene was the worst of the de-aging. Uh, it's very interesting how that there is literally only one scene yeah. of that, and it's very, very brief because it's the de-aging is very, very it's obvious. It's very obvious. The closer you get to, I guess, the quote-unquote present day of him telling his story, 
um, the better the, the well, DH the better, gets. The, the more unrecon, the more you don't notice it. Because uh, yeah, the more yeah, they, the, the more, more to look his age, the more we get closer to his actual age, the better it was. And I just think that it, right. the movie, the first maybe hour, maybe or so, like it was too noticeable for me. Like I was, I I understand wanting to have these actors give this full performance, but it's like maybe we should have went with some other actors or to play them younger. Like I just, I don't know. Really? Yeah, I, I just, I, I would much rather a, a more all like real people get, you know, because like you're manipulating his face and you're making me, it, you're taking away from the actual performance for me. Like I don't want to see I, that glumminess in the face where it doesn't right, look right. real. That, like w- at times, it, you're right, you're right. It did not look real, and at times it looked fine. The biggest problem I had with the de-aging, I think Stephen and I talked about this off off camera earlier. Like I think it was earlier in the week, or I think it was after. Maybe he saw it. He, you mentioned it, and I kind of noticed it. Um, when they did the de-aging of the faces. They didn't do any type of augmentation when it came to the bodies. So the bodies looked weird when it came to uh, P, uh, when it came to pairing the younger faces with the older yeah. bodies because you know you know well, these guys are looking their age. Uh, specifically, Robert De Niro's body didn't match up with the younger well, face. Yeah, and at times it, it was noticeable. Well, like he has an older well, man's yeah, body. Yeah, and the thing is too is is even his demeanor, even how he moves. Is not like a young man. He's moving, no, especially no, with a scene. That's what a, I meant. A specifically, yeah. somewhat graphic scene where he 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 beats a guy up in the street. Right. Doesn't look right to me because he's not moving like a young man. Yeah, there was supposed to be a sense of ferocity and ferociousness and aggression within that sequence, and it didn't look like it just because the way in which De Niro was shooting it was or doing it was as an old. A man who can't move like a younger man does, and that's just like you know, biology and physiology yeah. and you know physicality and things like that. I mean, could they have used um, a body double or yeah, something I, like I, that? I really could wish he would have maybe sped it shot up? the shot the yeah. scene differently or used a body double to get somebody in there that act, could actually do the movements. I'm really surprised that he didn't go with. I know a shot that I believe he's used before, perhaps even in Goodfellas or even in Casino. It's the upward angle shot, the POV shot. Yeah, where the, you god, see the, POV the god, the god shot. Somebody stomping yeah. on someone. God's view. Yeah, the god shot with someone stomping on someone, and that that would have taken away any sense of you know you know the negative aspect of that, the or he could have done in it in a way where you didn't even necessarily see it. Like maybe we saw it through a glare in the window. Or something like that, like something where it was a little bit less. But oh, but yeah. the thing is, is is Scorsese's not always the most subtle when it comes to violence. He likes to show the violence. No, he's yeah, blunt. he's blunt when it comes to violence. So he wanted you to see it. Um, but but yeah, and the film yeah. is not so much about like that though. Like there's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of plot oh, yeah. in the movie because yeah. we're moving from you know time frame to time frame. Uh, plot point to plot point so the movie's moving along and you know there are there aren't quote unquote action sequences in this film but there are active things happening but they're happening on a much smaller scale than you you would see in other you know quote unquote epic movies this is like an epic drama or an epic old school almost it's almost like it's not quite a biopic because we're not getting a full life story but we're getting like a career biopic you know what yeah. i mean of what it was like to be the quote unquote the irishman that was his nickname 
Um, what is interesting is a lot of the events, the people in the film were, were real people. Um, it was very interesting to see who they casted for real people. Like, I think Jack Houston was Robert Kennedy, mm-hmm. and Bobby Cannavale was also in the movie. Uh, those guys were all were on um, Boardwalk Empire. There's a lot of Boardwalk Empire yeah, people yeah. in this movie. And I'm like, I guess we're just take, taking everybody from previous <laughs> Scorsese stuff and putting them in this movie. Um, but I thought it was a really, really, you know, well-made, well-told film with a lot of good depth in it. But Stephen is right. It is a greatest hits from Martin Scorsese. Yeah, I I like the movie. And that's not even a negative thing that I'm saying we'll agree with. not necessarily a a negative thing, but it's something that just, you know, I'm not saying Scorsese doesn't have it in him to give me, to wow me, because he just did with Silence on his last film. But, you know, I think when it comes to this genre, maybe he needs to, Put it. This could maybe be his swan song to this genre. Because well, I'll say this: if it is his swan song, it's the most epic of all of his you gangster know, crime types films. of movies. Gangster crime, real, you know, based on true story types of movies. Um, yeah, there's nothing that wows me in this film. Like, oh, I can't believe Scorsese did something so so masterfully brilliant. Sure. I've never seen him do this before. I'll, that's not this type of film. Silence was that type of film. Yeah. Silence is a film from Scorsese that I've never seen him yeah. do before. And that's a bold, bold film for him. This is a really great film from him, but it's not something that I think is going to be incredibly profound in any way. I think way, it's just something, I, I just think I, it's something really he, like it he was interested, a story he was interested in telling. Oh, and it was definitely. in a comfortable, in a comfortable genre, I think. I mean, and it's, you know, he wanted to get these, these actors back together in, in parts that I think he felt were a, a good, uh, good for them to all work together in, you know? Yeah, I think, I, I was, like I said earlier, they're all great in it. Al Pacino, I think Al Pacino's the standout. I think he's particularly think great. He's the standout, yeah. As Jimmy Hoffa, he, yeah, he's big, bold Al Pacino, but man, But there's a vulnerability. Like there's a vulnerability in there, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of character stuff with him that's really, really good. I really liked the, like, um, it's interesting the difference in um, relationship that... Robert De Niro's character had with his daughter, daughter character, and the way um, Jimmy Hoffa interacted with his daughter character. That's one of the things that has really taken the internet by storm, if you will. Not by storm, but they've been talking about it a lot, is the fact that the the daughter character in this film doesn't say much of anything, doesn't do much of anything, but her looks and her demeanor speak volumes at, even as she, she ages, they, they stay the yeah. same but they become more profound as things go on. Even when we get to the adult version that is portrayed by Anna Paquin, what we see is this kind of this distance and this loneliness when it comes to these types of people because they're so the, their work is so, you know, dirty and, you know, evil that their personal, you know, their family around them doesn't want to associate yeah. with them. They don't want to be near them and sometimes silence speaks louder than words like just not talking to someone and not going anywhere near someone speaks more than just have than just telling someone hey i hate you yeah. or something like that yeah I, I i think that that was maybe the the some of the best um the stuff with the daughter was some of the best i think um parts of the movie for me like in the sense of like right. having in, any kind of deeper meaning other than the the themes of like legacy and 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 stuff mm. like that uh you know i i think that 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 the daughter character the relationship there really mirrored interesting with you know like you said how hoff and his son played by um what's it 
Jesse yeah, Jesse Plemons. Plemons. Um, I, you know, him them having such an open relationship with each other, him being involved in his affairs, made for their relationship being closer. You know, um, and right. him guarding himself from his daughter and and you know, which you would want to with what he does. Um, I guess distances him from you know her and and it doesn't seem like they ever have really a close relationship at all. It seems like he didn't understand that they knew the type of person he was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they knew that this that their dad was a bad yeah. guy that was murdering people and working with bad dudes and stuff like that. But he just didn't thi- see that because they he's very like a very Well the thi- the thing is is, is is the character seems even I th- I think from the beginning is just a cold character. I mean, like, oh, yeah, there's not cool. there's not a, a warmthness to him at all. Um, I mean, there's a little bit maybe when he meets Joe Pesci at this one point in in the story at the be- near the be- beginning, um, where his truck breaks down and whatnot. Um, there's a little bit of like a, a, a happiness there, but once he starts working with these guys, you can tell he's he's mo- he's ambitious about getting in with these people, um, and once he does, he kind of just becomes. A machine, you know, he just becomes a guy that paints fences, you know, paints houses. Oh yeah, pa- paints you know? houses, um, which I think is code for killing people. Uh, yeah, murder. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what we also forgot to mention is that Harvey Keitel is yes, in very film. little, but li- very yeah. briefly, someone as an old school person from Scorsese's filmography. So it's a truly greatest hits of it is. people. But I don't know if you want to move on now because I think they got a gist of what we thought about. Yeah, the film. yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't want to get. Into, I think I, I liked it more than yeah, Stephen. Yeah. I guess it's fair to say. I, and I liked it, you know. But it's it, to me, it's it's little. It's 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 definitely above. It's it's in. A t- I guess you could say a, a high echelon of his movies, but not anywhere mm. near the top. I mean, like he's 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 done so many movies. I haven't even seen all his movies technically. Um, but it, I definitely like it. I just. It's not. It, it's not. It's it's in the top ten, I think, maybe for me for the year, but it's near the bottom of the ten. So. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think it's in. It's in my top ten right now. Maybe it may be sitting top five. I have to look. Um, it's up there with like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and those films. It's yeah. Whatnot. It's right. It's right around that movie. I would say, but I think movies like Parasite and Lighthouse. Oh yeah, I think Parasite is still my still my number one for those yeah. of you keeping track. Yeah, um, but let's move into our main topic, and that is uh, uh, movies about food, or food and movies, yeah. or food in general. Oh. Stephen and I like food. I, I, I do guess, like food. If you say. see, if you if you if you could see me, um, which I guess if you go on <laughs> Facebook, you could find me. You can see that I like food. <laughs> I mean, I'm not fat, Indeed. but I'm like I not skinny. Yeah, I wouldn't say so. No, not skinny, no. uh, but I do like food. And uh, right, I think many people do. I think that's kind of a well, a but some we people like food more than other people. Um, very true. And, uh, I would say that's also very true. But we also like movies yes. as well, and sometimes they they combine for a a sense of delicious cinema, yes. if you will. Um, and I guess we'll just like start out with talking about just some random movies. Uh, Steve, well, do you well, have let me let me say this. Let me say this. Do you feel like what are your oh, no. now? There's sometimes there's different mm. types. Of food Got movies. It. Now, are you now, now the classic? I think type that I think a lot of these movies is it. There's a movie about a, a chef 
or somebody that's like into a restaurant and trying to get get make their way into the business and be like a, a you know get noticed is, is that your favorite type of food movie or do you like ones that are a little bit more random like a tampopo I would say more like tampopo okay. because I feel those films are more It's more organically about the food not necessarily about the yeah. food but the food's like there and you're just like god damn the food <laughs> yeah. yeah uh the, the movies where it's about like a you know a chef or whomever trying to make a successful business well i guess tan popo is also about career. that but Very but it true. is got a but lot more going on in it so yeah the films tend to be more about the characters than they do about the sure. food which i guess is fine yeah, which yeah, i yeah. guess i guess also tan popo is yeah, as yeah. well but um i don't know those films just seem so structured like they have like oh there's going to be perhaps a romance going to happen that that's going to like positively affect the food making or not affect the food making you know the certain tropes like that tend to bother me a little bit but i kind of like you know the maybe the weirder food films what about um, what about food ink <laughs> oh the yeah, docu- yeah. Uh, yeah food there's a lot of food documentaries out Fast there food actually that are very in like informative yeah. Uh, because like the food industry is fascinating in many different ways because it's it's partially corrupt, very bureaucratic, very weird. If if people only knew the where our food comes from, how our food is prepared, processed, made, no one would ever eat anything they buy at the well, supermarket. Well, they they would <laughs> they think really they would wouldn't. think about it and then they would they would think about it like and twice. then most of them would and, eat and then some and of then us would, like, would finally caught. you know yeah. That's why, you know, some people you always see like, oh, I only eat organic food or I only eat like this type of food that's, you know, not processed or this type of food that's from this specific place. Because there's a lot when you get when you get money involved in anything, things tend to get very complicated and very dirty. And a lot of these documentaries show how dirty those things can get. Um, That's why there's always like some type of emergent like emergency or there's some type of recall when it comes to our food whether it be our meat or vegetables where it's like oh there's an e coli breakout or there's like or or some other type of terrible thing that can that can kill you <laughs> and it's like why is that oh cuz people cut corners cuz they want to make uh, they want to make as much stuff as they can to sell as much stuff as they can to make to make a lot of money it's a big old process but yeah one i did watch was food inc yeah. back in um for for some time yeah class. i was going to say i saw I that in school like, too yeah. Yeah, I think it was for uh, like a a morality, like an ethics class or something like yeah. that cuz whether, you know, ethical like how ethical was it and all that kind of stuff. Um there's a lot of documentaries like that that are very informative. Uh, the one that I actually watched in school, like this is not really it's it's food related, but it's not it's not um about the food industry, I guess it is. And that was Super Size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Morgan Spurlock, they showed us that when I was a sophomore in high school, so it was around 2003, 2004, was my sophomore year of high school, and they showed us that in class, and it really did, had the negative effect on us as kids. We, we didn't take it seriously, so we just like, oh man, I wish we could eat McDonald's yeah. every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Man, those Big Macs look fantastic. You know what I mean? We didn't have the concept of like, nutrition or health values when oh, we were no. young when we were in our teenage years we didn't give, give a, a damn shit. about all any of that stuff i, uh, I barely Spurlock, give a shit now yeah actually, <laughs> <laughs> morgan spurlock has gone out to make like various things like that i think he had like a whole television series docu-series about 
certain stuff that he wants to do. The thing with um, that um, supersize me was that like the result could never be replicated outside of that documentary so you never really knew if like if those things really did happen to him and are really going to happen to everyone who consumes this much of mcdonald's every single day he did have like really you know terrible health consequences because you're not supposed to eat fast food yeah yeah that seems to be an obvious thing is is, you know what i mean you could you could do that to almost anything like if you eat way too much of anything you can probably harm your health by doing that, I mean, if you eat, eat even good food too much, like if you eat like apps, like twenty apples a day, you know, you're eventually probably gonna get diabetes yeah. from the natural sugar. You know, like it's like right, like there's yeah, that that also happens. It all re- it also really depends on who you are. Uh, yeah, genetics, person, like your physiology, yeah, yeah. your metabolism, your how your body processes food or what it can and cannot process easily. All that kind of stuff all plays a factor into how that affects you. Um, there are other there are other films that I really like that just that are just people eating food. Sure. And that this is a uh, I guess I'll just dive into it. Is there's a a trilogy of just call of I call them like the trip movies uh-huh. with um, Steve Coogan yeah. and Rob. Yeah, I've Ryan, heard of that one. Yeah. Where they where they play fictionalized versions of themselves because they're both actors and they just go around like different like the first one is is I believe is just in the UK where they where I think Steve Coogan is hired by some type with some magazine to do like food reviews or something like that. So they just go around to different restaurants and just eat food and just talk about like stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like they do like they do um uh they famous you can watch these on YouTube. They famously do um uh, like impressions of of people. They do Michael Caine, yeah. they do um like James Bond, they do all kind of stuff like that and they and they're just trying to one up each other in their uh in their impressions. It's really, really hilarious. But there's the trip which came out in two thousand and ten. And the second one is is the trip to Italy, where they just go to all of the Italian delicious restaurants in Italy. So if you like pasta and all that kind of stuff, watch that. And the third one, which yeah, the second one came out in two thousand and fourteen and I think the third one came out recently it's called a trip to Spain. Yeah, I think that was like um, maybe two or three years ago. I want to say, yeah, the trip to Spain is 2017. Yeah, and they go to Spain and eat that that type of Mediterranean food and whatnot. But the films are, are rather short. They're all of them are like under two hours, but they're really fun and easy to watch. They're comedies for the most part. A little bit of drama in there, a little fictionalized drama around the Steve Coogan character who's kind of having like a a career and personal like existential crises sometimes and it's really interesting to see how they work that in but the food in it because they go to all these real places and this food just looks absolutely amazing i've done um the terrible mistake of watching i think i watched the trip or the trip to spain like while i was hungry it was one of the worst things i've Don't ever do done that to yourself, while man. watching a movie before yeah it's like when you watch the food channel while you're hungry what are you doing yeah <laughs> that's just self-torture well, the movie i do this a lot with and it always makes me go eat is is chef from oh, Jan- yeah. john Favreau. i saw that in the yeah. theater that was the that was the small like john favreau movie he did after he did Iron Man, Iron Man Two, and then after he did Cowboys yeah. and Aliens, no one remembers that movie. Based on a comic book as well, um, but yeah, this is a small movie. I dig it. But Steven, it's oh, I, I love Chef. Talk about man. why you love uh, it. 
you know, I, what I love too is that I love the passion from John Favreau in this. He really invests himself in it, um, and to the point of now, on Netflix, he has his he has this little show, a chef show for this, where he like hangs out with uh, other celebrities and and this guy I guess that was his like cook, like uh, is the cook that the chef that was has been teaching him um, since the movie. Um, he him and that guy. Um, you know, cook shit with, you know, family members and celebrities. And uh, I mean, I, I just love, I can tell that he's passionate about cooking. Um, and right. uh, so I love that. I love the story. It's a father son story also. Um, yeah. It's a great father son story. Basically um, he's, uh, if I remember though, I always saw it in the theater. I actually own it. I should watch it again, but it always makes me. No, own it's, that's why I don't watch dude, it. Yeah. The grilled cheese, the <laughs> they, gr- just the grilled cheese alone that he makes. I, I don't know how he did that, yeah. but, um, the movie is about yeah, he's a, a quote he's a chef no shocker yeah. there he's like working at like this this restaurant um, and he there's a food critic that comes in and just kind of slams him right yeah he's and, all, all over Platt. Oliver Platt all, all, Oliver Platt all, <laughs> and and basically he just he just quits because he's so he like I think he cusses out the ball well, he, yeah he, he's a disgraced he chef he, he, he yeah he gets right. blown up on Twitter gets in a fight with this yeah yes oh yeah because yeah, you know what he does he doesn't understand how Twitter yeah, works yeah. and so he tweets out something like that's harsh and it just gets picked up and just retweeted yeah. and he goes viral and he ends up quitting and he ends up starting a food truck a, a food truck over his son he's divorced he's divorced i believe yeah he's divorced from, from his sophia Vergara. yeah but they're they're very friendly still yeah. um, right right they're, it's like an amicable yeah separation and along with divorce. that Not you have um one. john leguizamo who, who was hit one of his cooks at the restaurant that follows right. follows him along on this new thing with the truck and uh uh, you know, you got some cool cameos in there. Scarlett Johansson shows up for a little bit. She's a hostess, um, and right. uh, Robert Downey Jr. So all of Favreau's friends get a little cameo Basically. in the movie. Um, and, and this food truck only serves uh, Cuban sandwiches, and they drive from like Florida, I think, back to California, and they're just stopping at a bunch of different places to sell their sandwiches. And these sandwiches look oh, they're amazing. amazing. And I had up until I saw this movie, I had never had a Cuban sandwich yeah. before. And then afterward, I just like tried to find like some good Cuban sandwiches locally, and I haven't had one in years. And just thinking about it makes oh, me want to have one. I, I, dude, I know this podcast is gonna be. We're gonna want to go eat like right after the podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, chefs. That's, chefs that's one of my favorites. Uh, it's it's yeah, very rewatchable. Two thousand four came out two thousand and fourteen. I saw it in the theater. Steve, did oh, you see yeah, it in the yeah, theater yeah. or no? Oh, you did. Okay, cool. Um, another one for me is another documentary. And this is a kind of a serious doc, not really serious, but fascinating documentary. And that is uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Okay, I it haven't seen this one. This was on Netflix for a while. I think it maybe still is. It's a fan. That's an amazing documentary. Basically, let me look it up on IMDb because it's been a few years since I've seen it. Um, um, there's this. Um, let me get the premise up here. It's a, a documentary on. 85-year-old sushi master Jiro Ono, his renowned Tokyo restaurant, and his relationship with his son and eventual heir, Yashikazu. Now, it's been a few years since I've seen this documentary, so I'm not sure what the status is about like the relationship and all that kind of stuff, but it's a real-life, really exclusive, really elite sushi restaurant in Japan. 
And basically, like, you have to reserve, like, months in advance and all this kind of stuff. There's a specific way that you have to eat the food, a specific way that you have to really be respectful about the environment, all that kind of stuff. And this guy has been a sushi chef for, like, decades. And he's like world-renowned. Celebrities go there. People travel from all over the world to go to go to this restaurant. And he's and it's about kind of like it's about him and his relationship with his son, who's his heir, who um, who owns like this other like another like another restaurant that um, kind of an offshoot of like the main restaurant and whatnot. But it, but what I found really fascinating is that it also goes into like the history of kind of like. Of of the sushi the sushi business and like, um, uh, just going back the decades into like um, like the environmental consequences of overfishing yeah. and things like that. Where like they showed this archival footage of this these fish that they used to fish out of the ocean. They were massive, massive fish, and it shows like that over the years because of overfishing that the size of fish has just shrunk and shrunk and yeah. shrunk to the point where it's nothing like it used to be and i just find that ultimately fascinating and also i find that this this guy who is he's a perfectionist but he never stops trying to be perfect like he never thinks that what he's doing is the absolute perfect so he just keeps doing it every single day to just to be more perfect and more perfect it's a fantastic documentary i highly recommend it for anyone who's you know fascinated by sushi if anybody likes sushi yeah. out there sushi is not something that I've gotten into but for some reason it's a hit amongst younger people it is and by younger people I mean like people in like their 20s um, I don't know what it is with this new wave of like sushi loving that's going on right now but I think Jiro Dreams of Sushi is a is a great film to kind of accompany that that fervor it's a short film it's only an hour and 21 minutes I think um, no it was not nominated for an Oscar it probably should have been but it's a fantastic, fantastic documentary. I thought I would mention yeah. that if people have not seen it. Cool. Um, I'll tell you, there's one that I saw recently, um, and and you know, it, I wouldn't say it was. It's the, one of the most special ones that I've seen. Uh, but it, you know, it was it was okay. Uh, I saw that movie Burnt with uh, with oh. uh, Brad Cooper in it. Yes. And um, we call him Brad. Yeah, now, yeah. I know him. I, we're basis. friends. <laughs> um. Yeah, so this came out in 2015. Uh, I, I missed it when it came out, and you know I, I'm always looking. Anytime I see a cooking film that looks interesting, I like to see it. And I missed this one, so I saw it on Netflix uh, maybe a couple months ago. It's okay. Uh, I mean, it, it, you know, Bradley Cooper's a good actor. Um, I think that the one thing about this movie though is is that it maybe takes itself a little too seriously. Um, it, it, it kind of feels like the um, the uh, what's the movie he just did. Uh, a star is born version of burnt, oh. uh, like, oh. like where it's like a star of, you know, he was a star and then he's now he's getting in. He's like making deals with people, organized crime, or he's getting in, he's, he owes money to people and he's, you know, becoming destructive and, and he's got to have somebody help him come pull, get pulled back out of the fire. And it's, it's a little bit maybe self-serious. Um, mm-hmm. but, it's okay. It's 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 you know it, always like a good food movie. I mean, when they're making these gorgeous foods in front of you, and you know, you know, Bradley Cooper is very committed, and um, I mean, it's it's okay. It's an okay one. You might like it. Yeah, oh. It's decent. Uh, I remember seeing uh, trailers for it when it before it came out, because um, right around that time, Bradley Cooper was. Um, 
that was when he's kind of getting really, really hot. I mean, he's still hot now, but uh, uh, one would say that he he was starting to burn, <laughs> burn bright his star. Uh, but yeah, but I remember that, and then I remember it kind of just like kind of failing with critics, and critics not really digging the movie, and it kind of just disappeared. But now it's, I believe it's probably streaming. Yeah, probably yeah, it's Netflix. It. Yeah, it's written by um, Stephen Knight, who did like Lock. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, he wrote the screenplay. He he wrote for, for screenplay for Serenity that just came out. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> you have to bring Sorry. that up. Yeah, he directed Locke and he directed Serenity. Uh, one great, one bad, yeah, in happens. my opinion. It happens, it happens to the best <laughs> of us. Um, a film that I want to bring up, I guess I want to, de- I, I think I've mentioned it before. I don't know if I mentioned it here on the podcast or if I mentioned it to you in person, but this is an early, early film from Ang Lee. It's a movie called Eat, Eat Drink, yeah, yeah, Man, yeah, yeah. Woman. And I have always like wanted to talk about it here on the podcast, so now I can. And this is a film from 1994, early on Ang Lee, before he came over to the United States and started making American films and whatnot. Um, it's a film that is... A, a, a the opening of this film is just a man cooking great um, Chinese food dishes. So the opening of this film is orgasmic from a food standpoint. It's just an amazing. Basically, he's a he's a senior, he's a, an older gentleman who has three grown daughters, and basically he cooks like these big lavish meals for like Sunday dinner to to get his family together and he's just trying to keep them as close as he possibly can because they're all off living their own lives and he's just trying to you know hang on to them as long as he can and you know stay connected with them as long as they can but things things change and people drift away and that's what happens with children and parent relationships is that you know, over time, things get distant. That's just, you know, people live their own lives. So he's trying to keep them together. And it's really a fascinating, fantastic film. I really love it. It's it's a film that's part of his father's known best trilogy. I think it's the the last film or it's, yeah, it's, I think it's the last film. Basically, his father's known best trilogy, father knows best trilogy is Pushing Hands, uh, The Wedding Banquet, and Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. And it's and it's a really great trilogy of familial-type films. I've compared them a lot to um, Yasujiro Ozu's films. They all had to... Where a lot of his work had to deal with families and, like, generations and changing of the times and things like that. And that's kind of what these films are about. And Eat, Drink, Man, Woman is, is something I highly recommend. There is a Blu-ray of it uh, available through, I believe, Olive put out, Oliver Kino put out, and it's something I bought years ago. And this is going to be me going off on a tangent because years ago I took a history of of modern China class and they told us, and they told us like our final paper, our final paper had to be anything to do with China, anything, like just open books. I was like, I like movies. Let's see who's a good um, Chinese director. And Ang Lee, he's from Taiwan, which is part of China. 
So I decided, you know what, I'm going to write a paper on Ang Lee. And I decided to write a paper. First, I was going to do one about his whole like filmography. And then I'm like, then I started watching them all. And I'm like, there's no way this is going to happen. <laughs> so I like, you know what, I'll do it on his first three films. I'll do it. I'll, I'll write a paper about like his early start out with his early life, like going to, like NYU and stuff like that. And then I'll do, and then I'll just write about his first three movies, his Father Knows Best trilogy. And that's how I watched Eat, Drink, Man, Woman for the first nice. time. And I ended up loving the movie. Yeah, I'm just checking it up now, and it is in all the films okay. release. But it's unfortunately, I think now out of print. Well, thanks. Well, thanks for ass. telling us all that. And then yeah, now that I'm looking it up, it's like oh, that yeah, I was, I was thinking about buying it. Now I can't. So <clears throat> appreciate it. I wonder if that means that it's going to be re-released by somebody yeah, else. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, okay. Look, we got to get to this one. We got to oh. get this one. This is this is a classic oh. now. This is. Uh, we have to talk about Ratatouille. Oh, yeah, because Ratatouille yes. came out in 2007, directed by Brad Bird, the guy that does The Incredibles and and uh, what's that? Inve- uh, what's the not the not Adventureland, Tomorrowland? Uh, oh yes, um, you know, so he, very good in animation. Of course, The Iron Giant also. Um, he also did Mission Impossible. Yes, very Pringle, good, very which good. Maybe the best or favorite amongst Mission Impossible. It is my fans, favorite. I think you are. Um, oh, okay. There it is. But, uh, yes, Ratatouille. Uh, and this movie centered around uh, a rat uh, named <laughs> named Remy, um, who, Remy the who is uh, very interested in, uh, you know, cooking. He, he, he sees this famous chef on a TV, and he kind of molds him. He kind of uh, mirrors himself after that chef. And, and then he, find, he, he kind of gets... Uh, Swept away by uh, water in a drain, and makes it and gets into the city of Paris, you know, Paris, and finds this this um, this restaurant, and kind of you know meets up with this garbage boy who uh, then you know he teams up with him. What the hell? I just sorry got distracted by a weird noise and that just came from nowhere. Um, oh, sorry, okay. but. Uh, then he teams up with the garbage boy and becomes a uh, you know a chef. He you know s- sits under his hat and moves his somehow makes him move his arms by pulling on his hair. I don't know how that works, but that's what happens. And though it is animation, very good animation, it's Pixar. It's Pixar, man. I mean, it looks great, mm. and uh, it still makes me love. It makes me want to eat food. Um, <laughs> Though it's yeah, got rats I, in the I, kitchen, I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean you're not supposed to have rats in the kitchen, but this is an endearing anthropomorphic rat yeah. in Remy. Pat Oswalt um, does the voice. Pat Oswalt does do the voice. Um, what is, um, yeah, what I like about the movie is it's very, it's you know, it's classic Disney Pixar, very endearing, has a nice heartwarming story to it. I mean, and it's a nice kind of, like I said, conflict of. A, you know, appearances versus reality where you're not supposed to have rats in the kitchen, but what happens if this rat is an amazing well, yeah, chef? I, mean, I, th- you know I, th- what I think mean? the movie's a lot about uh, inclusiveness. It's a, yeah. a lot about... Like appar- appearances aren't, you know, always de- defining sure. some, who someone is and what their talent well, may the, be. The ma- one of the main lines of the movie was, I think, if I'm paraphrasing, I could be wrong here, but he's like, not everybody can be a great cook, but anybody can cook. Or something like right. that. So you know, like not not everybody can be great, but anybody can can try to be a great cook. Anybody can at least try right. or something. Something of that. I'm probably completely wrong, but yeah, it's it's yeah. it's basically saying that you know, you know, a good a good cook can come from anywhere. 
Um, and you know, very and, true. And and the food that they cook in the film looks looks great. But Ratatouille is the one they're trying to make because they want to impress. I think it's a film. It's a, well. There's it's a, a critic. A once critic. again, there's a critic that a, a that is that yes. very well known. That's kind of like gauges whether you're going to have a a four star rating or you know whatever on your restaurant. And um, you know, un, you know, in the finale of this movie, uh, spoilers for a twelve year old movie. Um, it is twelve years the, old. The, yeah. the the critic ends up having kind of a. Um, a nostalgic trip over the dish that served him at the end, which is ends up being ratatouille. Um, what is very interesting is because I think that, that can happen in real oh, life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you eat something as an adult that perhaps you ate a lot when you were a child and it brings you back to that no, moment. No, I, I've, had, I've had this recently. Um, I'm not somebody that eats mustard a lot. For, okay. for some reason... Randomly, like I, I had mustard on something recently, and it shot my mind back to like the fact that now this I know this sounds disgusting, but I used <laughs> to dip potato. No, no judgment. I used to dip potato chips in mustard. Um, okay, and, and and it made me go back to that. Like I was like, I used to eat mustard with potato chips. That was weird. Like it just like ran back into my mind. I don't know how, but that's that sensory thing that you know, like it can bring up images or bring up feelings you had when you when you tasted it, you know, um, same thing with smells or, you know, like, you know, seeing something, you know, can bring back a lot of feelings. And that's, what's, that's, what's great about food movies too. In generals, it can just, I think has a higher, you know, sensory thing going on in there, especially if you're, you're familiar with the food. Well, yeah. That, yeah. Cause food is a sensory based thing. Um, what is, and also what is interesting about this film is that of all of the Pixar films, this is one that has not gotten a sequel yet. And like and Stephen fine. said, it's been twelve years. <laughs> you think it's fine? I would I would rather have a sequel to this than a sequel to some of the other ones. It, it probably is more open. It's 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 a lot better set up to have a sequel, I think, than some right. of the other ones. But you know, they're not. I don't think the. It, I think a lot of it depends on merchandising. Oh, oh wait. yeah. So the, ra- the Ratatouille movie didn't have probably like the highest sales of merchandising. Oh, I want that rat, please. Let me get the rat. You know. <laughs> so like compared to the other ones, like the Cars movies and the Toy Stories, and the they have better merchandise. So that's why there probably hasn't been a sequel. That's just my I, my opinion. Yeah, I also don't think it was a huge box office hit. Keep in mind, this was two thousand and seven. I, I can check it out. Disney. Yeah, um, go to that awful box office mojo dot com now. Well, I can tell you, I can tell you, I'm, it, it, I can tell you, uh, based <laughs> off of Wikipedia, which could be wrong, it tells me okay. that it was a hundred and fifty million dollar budget and it made six hundred and twenty point seven million. So it well, made good, a good mo- chunk of change. What, what was I yeah, saying? Yeah, it made good yeah. money. Yeah, I don't know what the heck Disney's got there. And also, of course, right uh, Michael Giacchino was the did the score. Yeah, I think because he he worked for Brad. Yeah, him, yeah, but he's he's done like Up. He did Up, and so he, oh, he worked. Yeah. He's done a lot of Pixar movies. He did, you know, he did the uh, um, Incredibles movies with Brad Bird, and he did this one, and he did mm-hmm. Up. Mm-hmm. He might have done another one. I I I don't know. He might have done uh, Inside Out or something, maybe. Um, cool. But, yeah. Um. Yeah. That's. I don't know if I want to stay in animator or if I want to move to. Uh, back yeah. To go reality. back to reality for a second. You know what? Let's talk about Tampopo. Okay. All right. Why not? Tampopo. It's one of the big ones. I talked about sushi already. I'm in that that area of the world. So Tampopo 
is a film that I had no idea what it was. Um, I had never heard of it before until it came out on Blu-ray uh, for Criterion a few years ago. And I just saw a bunch of people talking about it. And Tampopo is a movie based off of ramen. Yeah. Um, the pasta. Or the what we call Japanese in America, oodles and noodles. <laughs> oodles and noodles, whatever you want to call it. I mean, but this ramen is like it's not the, legit the cup of ramen. noodles ramen. It's, it's the legit doesn't have ramen wax you get on in it. restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't have. There's not like a a powdered flavor packet thing or whatever <laughs> that they use. Um, but Tampopo, the Blu-ray came out 2017, so I think I've been aware of it for about for about two years. And Tampopo came out in 1985, which is quite a time ago, two years before I was born. Two years longer than Stephen was born. I was born in '89. Um, yes, he was, um, and it has a very young Ken Watanabe yes. in the film, who plays a character called Gun. Let them fight. Um, <laughs> let them let them fight. Um, basically, a so a truck. The premise is like a truck driver stops at a small like family-run noodle shop, and basically he decides to help it become a bigger, more successful. Um, well, the business. one, yeah, the one. It's it's now ran by a female. Uh, a uh, yeah, there's a woman who runs it, and it's it's like a small, out of the way, uh, ramen shop. It's not very good ramen. Well, like like they're 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 always kind of like judging like what's good ramen versus well, not good the, ramen. Like one of the big things is is also is that traditionally men, and of course in that culture, men typically yes. run things anyway. But she she wants to be the cook and run the place and. It's not typically women are not known for doing that, so she's having a hard time even getting her getting help with anybody because she's a woman. Um, so yeah, right. that's part of the, the problem. And and he and basically they go around and just do like ramen research. Yeah. Well, they go around to like different ramen restaurants to see like to just judge the different types of ramen. Um, what is most fascinating about this movie is there is another plot line a subplot in this movie about a romance between a woman and a member of the yakuza yeah. or the yakuza however you want yeah. to say it the yakuza is the you know japanese uh, gang uh, gangs uh, mafia if you will the, you know japanese organized crime division and it's it's a mix of sex and food yes. and it's really fascinating <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird there's an infamous moment of this movie uh, it's infamous. You can watch it on YouTube, and people talk about it all the time. Uh, where, where they crack an egg, and they basically like exchange the egg yolk from one mouth to the other in a sexual yes. manner. Um, and yeah, they mix sex and food, and it's a very interesting combination. You, you're either gonna um, really like it, or you're gonna really be turned or off. Or you're gonna be weirded yeah, out yeah, by yeah. it. It really all depends on what you. And it's random too. Like, it has nothing to do with our main story about trying to create a great ramen restaurant. It's just a side thing. That, it's that something, it's something the movie. that I think supports the the thematic the passion. passion of yeah. the movie. Yeah, about about the love of, of you know, you know high cuisine, Food. you know. Yeah, I mean, and there is a certain ecstasy when it comes to really, really good yeah. food. You know what I mean? Food, like I said earlier, is a sensory type thing. You know, you know, and you know, our senses and our nerves are all well, part the, of like 
how we feel yeah and, and the thing is a lot like of times that. we're not getting the high quality stuff you know we're like get, just going to the fast food place and getting something that you're gonna end up pooping out like five minutes later anyway you, oh, you know so when you get real good food like when you go out and you go to the steakhouse that's like high dollar you get like the 25 dollar steak you know or whatever it whatever it is and, and you you put it in your mouth and you actually chew it you know, slow and not try to swallow it. And like, you know, like <laughs> it's, it is, you know, you can have this like moment, you know, um, where you have this, yeah, this moment of elation yes, or happiness yes. and the movies, this movie's definitely playing on that. And it's also about like the relationship with the characters and there's, there's stuff like that I think is also really good. Um, yeah. And I it's, and it's, and it's a funny movie up, too. There's some, some, it, yeah, there's a lot of comedy yeah. in it too. Um, where they're just, yeah, they're just, it's like trial and error trying to get yeah. like the right. Well, they keep meat. trying to keep like, cook the meat. Yeah, just they keep right. trying, keep trying to find, find out, just like right. you said, going around looking at other people's um, ramen, and you know, some of them are kind of like figuring out that they're trying to like sneak away with some ideas, so they like you know run them off, and you know, and and so yeah, it's it's a, it's very a very fun movie. Very, uh, it isn't a. It, it's definitely not traditional storytelling. There's, like you said, it weaves in and out of other storyline. So, I mean, you know, don't expect a a straightforward movie. It's a little bit jumps a little bit around, but it's very entertaining. I I really enjoy it. And what is interesting is it. I'm someone who's actually never had ramen before. What? And I really want ramen Dude. when I watch this movie. Like I ended up like googling like all my local um, restaurants to see who had like good ramen <laughs> and i really wanted to try some i still haven't yet man so i've got to do that yeah do that i know i'm deprived i'm, depri- I'm, I'm deprived i've deprived myself it's been a minute for me i mean i haven't had good ramen i haven't had some ramen in a long time we, we recently actually went to a japanese but we didn't get any ramen i got a bunch of that shrimp and you know mm-hmm. mm, it was good it's good but um I don't know how much more you how much more you want to talk about here. I'm on. Uh, what are we doing on time? Yeah, we're we're check. we're we're almost an we're hour in. Hour. I mean, we can go a little bit longer. I mean, I, I mean, sure, sure. But I don't. I, I mean, I've only seen so many. So I mean, you gotta. Ha- I mean, there are so many. Um, I mean, there's some that I've seen and some that I haven't seen. I mean, we can talk about sausage party. <laughs> I mean, you want to throw a sausage party is very divisive. That's what I was gonna <laughs> stick in the animated realm. Sausage party. You want to see a a. Um, a raunchy animated comedy with anthropomorphic animated food characters. <laughs> That's Sausage Party. But what is interesting is the whole thing's like an allegory of, of like anti-religion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really. It has nothing really to do with food itself, really. I mean, no, other than the fact that the you know the characters are yeah. all food based. But what is interesting is also plays like on racial stereotypes, yeah. where like. You know the Mexicans are the tacos, yeah. or the 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 Jew kind of kind of you uh, you're, you are bagels. what you eat I mean, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean to a certain standpoint, I guess. Um, that's really um, interesting. Um, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. When I saw it, I didn't I didn't care for it that much. I mean, I I think that the that 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 all that that stuff, the themes going through it, were interesting in that kind of movie. But I think that the movie turned me off because it was a little bit too raunchy like it was just in your face raunchy like it was too much especially the last scene where they all oh, have sex goodness. with each other well it's an yeah, it's, it's an, an orgy, orgy of food i'm like this is this is just stupid this is, crazy. This is kind of dumb okay i mean going all a little bit off book here um 
there's a I mean we're talking about food and sex literally um there's in the movie nine and a half weeks yes there's a food like sex scene that has been parodied like several times um and I'm trying to remember I th- remember who's in the movie I think um in- Kim Basinger is in the film yeah 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 um and I remember it being parodied on like like comedy um well you'd be surprised how tough it is to tough it is to search this on on IMDb without being able to put in um like the half the half slash mark um but yeah it's a that's a, that's a very famous food sex scene cuz like we were talking about like food and sex are very closely um wow this is Hold on. I got you. Steven, I got you. What you, what you need? Time. Make some time. You got, you got Matt Damon was a producer on this actually, um, and yeah, it's got Mickey Rourke and and uh, Kim Basinger. No, oh, there it is. I couldn't look for some reason. I couldn't type in Basinger. I was putting it Basinger yeah. versus Basinger. Basinger. Um, yeah. So you are. You just say that Matt Damon's a producer in the movie. Are you sure? Yes. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Mark. That's Mark Damon. Oh, Mark uh, Damon. Yeah, that guy. That, oh, here we go, nine and a half yeah, weeks. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You know, I love you the know. poster. Yeah, Mickey Rourke, Kim Basinger. I believe they're, they're the two that have the, the El Rendezvous with Sex. The Rendezvous uh, with Sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is back, oh, wait, this is be... back when Mickey Rourke was, like, very hot. He was a... Whoa, yeah, 1986. We're talking peak Mickey Yeah, this, this, is, this is when he was before... good-looking. This was before. Well, this is before he went into boxing. Went went to boxing, got all messed up. Um, yeah, this was um, directed by Adrian Lin, and Adrian Lin, I think, also directed uh, Jacob's Ladder, Indecent Proposal, talk about sex, Fatal Attraction, yeah. sex. What the heck was up with this guy making sex he, movies? He, he's or, perverted or sexy movies? Jeez. Well, he also did Flash Dance, which has that very you know energetic scene with the dancing and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, he also did the 1997 remake of Lolita with Jeremy Irons. Yeah, yeah. This guy had a thing. This guy had a thing for. Yeah, you know, he was. He, you films. know, he wanted to be. Uh, you know, kind of like uh, Lars uh, Lars von Trier. You know, he wanted to be Lars von Trier, <laughs> but just all sexy movies. Uh, just kidding. Yeah, there's a lot of scenes in movies. I mean, I'm just looking at lists here for. Uh, we all already mentioned Tampopo. Um, there's a couple of other movies that I want to mention, like Babette's Feast, which is a like the Criterion yeah, film. Yeah. Um, there's films that take place at like uh, banquets and things like that. I mean, I mentioned the wedding banquet, but it has nothing to do with an actual banquet. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, Babette's Feast is one. But yeah, there's a bunch of them that I could go through, but we've done a few I'm almost like stalling for time. Well, I mean, uh, I mean oh, there's a lot. Julie, there, there's what? a lot of other ones, there's but there's no ones one. I haven't yeah. seen. I mean, I mean, uh, Julie and Julia, which is about Julia Child, uh, portrayed by Meryl Streep and Amy Adams, who's like a food blogger, yeah. and she's going through Julia Child's cookbook and she's trying to like make every single one, and it just shows and it shows like her like you know some she can't she's struggling to do some she does her easily. Came out in 2009. Um, it's 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 a it's a really solid film. Uh, what's her name? Amy Adams is one of my favorites. Oh yeah. So I'm like I'm kind of un like unobjective when it comes to her. I always think she's great in everything, and she had a really uh, good like 2000s like when she was trying to um, make her career and whatnot. 
she was really doing a lot of solid roles. She still does great roles now. Sure. I mean, it's not like she's doing bad roles, but she, but but she's doing. But I really liked her early roles when she was doing like uh, like Enchanted and things like that. She also has that that great role around the same time in Doubt. Um, yeah. Wow. Let's imagine two. Uh, imagine that. Like Doubt and then Julia. <laughs> uh, Julia and Julia came out the next yeah. year. Imagine going from like one super serious film to a film about cooking. Yeah, yeah, well, you got to you got to have some downtime, you know. You know, you get a little bit, <laughs> some you, you know, a little something a little happier. Um, I guess that's. Th- I guess that's there's true. also one that's pretty popular. It's called Eat, Pray, Love. Oh yes, um, with, Ryan Ryan um, Murphy directs it. You know, from uh, American Horror Story fame. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, Julia Julia Roberts, um, Javier Bardem. So you know, good cast. Uh, I know it's popular amongst the uh, females. Oh yeah, yes. Um, yeah, I've never seen it. I know it's based on a popular New York Times bestselling yeah. book. It's long but too, I man. It's two hours and twenty minutes long. Jesus, wow, that's, that's a long, long food movie. That's a long. That's a long. long. Jeez. Um, there's there's also the movie called Waitress, which oh, is about yeah, yeah. Uh, which they've turned into a Broadway play now. Huh. And this movie is um, stars uh, what's her name? Carrie uh, Russell. Carrie Russell. I was gonna say Felicity, but that was not be <laughs> right. That's a character they, she played. <laughs> yeah, it's a character she played uh, in Felicity, and it is a film that's about pie making. Yeah, yeah. Well, not really about pie making, but pie making is yeah. in it. And Carrie Russell, um, Nathan Fillion is in it. Cheryl Hines is in it. Um, and basically, uh, she is a pregnant, unhappily married waitress in the deep south. She meets a newcomer to her town, portrayed by Nathan Fillion, who's like a, I think he's a doctor. Yeah. Uh, I think he's her doctor, actually. But he's a doctor. And and they end up having like a relationship and all that kind of stuff. But the, the place that she works at is known for having great pies. Yeah. And there's just scenes of her just making like these amazing pies. And Stephen, I'll be honest, I've never been a pie person. Uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm always I'm, a cake. I'm, I'm a cake yeah, I'm a cake, man, I'm a cake guy. A cake uh, I mean, depends on what kind of pie we're talking here. I mean, I, I like mm. I like pudding, chocolate pudding pie. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting pie. I know we just. I mean, we just talked about Thanksgiving. Uh, pumpkin pie. Yeah, is a traditional yeah, Thanksgiving I could do pumpkin pie. pie. Apple. Everybody's like, you know, nothing more American than apple pie. Mm. I'm not a big apple pie guy. I'm not a big pie person myself. Um, I just, I never, I never liked the idea of mixing, um, like, my like cakes and cookies with. It's just a little bit too. That always kind of bothered me me a little bit. I don't know. I don't don't like it. It's just a little bit too too messy. I don't. Pies can get messy. I don't like them. I don't know. I don't know. But you know. I mean, there. I mean, there's movies like Chocolat. uh, let's see. Soul food. Yeah. Soul food. Other, soul, yeah. Soul food, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, and we, of course, Chef we've already mentioned. Um, I'm just looking at random lists now to see what I can grasp onto. Good burger. Uh-huh. Oh, man. <laughs> when I was a kid, I watched Good Burger a yes. lot. For those of you who don't know what Good Burger is, back in the 90s on Nickelodeon, there was a show called All That, which was basically SNL for yes. kids. And a lot of people who were on it, actually not a lot of people, basically one person, Keenan Thompson, went on to you know, actually be on SNL and still on SNL. But they would do, you know, uh, sketches, skits. Um, and one was Good Burger. And then they, it was so popular that they made a yeah. movie in it. 
with Kenan Thompson, Kel Mitchell, um, what's it, Sinbad is in it, <laughs> and the premise of the movie is basically like, like it's Good Burger versus like this big, like giant corporate chain that move that's taken all their business away yeah. because they're making these big gigantic beef patty burgers that everybody loves, and it's all about them like trying to like, you know, they discover that oh yeah that they're actually putting like you know, like toxins or something to make the burgers big in like bigger than they are and what basically steroids sure, yeah, yeah. they're putting like steroids in the burgers and they've got to like figure out how to expose them and stuff it's a fun comedy i think is really only endearing to our generation yeah. who grew up with it like if you showed somebody that movie today and they had never seen it before they would have they, they would know, they would they know what the they heck would they were doing like yeah um, um also uh the founder which is yeah. the founding of probably the biggest fast food chain in the world McDonald's, and you find out how Ray Kroc was basically a shitty guy who stole the who stole the idea from from these these two brothers and basically uh, nationalized it, made it a chain, and it's uh, Michael Keaton's in the film. It's a solid film. It's I okay. Think. It's, it's all right. It's not great, but I I dug it, and it was very interesting to go back to a time where like McDonald's wasn't what we know of it now. Like you can actually like the burgers were actually like like real burgers yeah. and not the crap we get yeah. now that which we all shovel shell out our money for anyways, um, and it's also interesting how to see like how a lot of those things um, happen. You know, like someone takes someone's good idea, steals it, and makes shit tons of money off of it. Um, kind of like uh, kind of like Facebook, you know. Yeah, kind of kind of like had the social network kind of in print in there a little bit. I, I think that for me that that movie just didn't have enough going on in it to be interesting. I don't know. I thought it was going to be a bigger hit than it yeah, was. I, I was hoping it, it really would be wasn't. for, for Keaton's sake. Cause I, I'd love to see Keaton no, win an no, Oscar no. one day, but um, he should have won it for Birdman, but he didn't. Um, but I yeah. know Birdman or even um, spotlight, the other film, Spotlight. Yeah, I, I think Birdman. He got he got robbed, um, but oh yeah, I think that was was that the Eddie was that the Eddie that's Eddie the Eddie Redman? Redman year. Yeah, he got he got yeah, robbed. That was the Eddie Redman year by the you know traditional uh, biopic movie you know, but um yeah, I, I, it's yeah. okay movie. I I didn't get blown away from I mean, that movie. This is, would you consider this a food movie? And I've actually never pieced this together until possibly right now. Although maybe I've just been repressing it. Well, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, I, I guess uh, technically, yeah. I mean, I don't think it goes on anybody's lists, but I mean, it is a movie about chocolate. I mean, it's it's well candy. candy. I mean, it's it's when they go to that they go to that factory and they just start yeah. to freaking eat the I eat mean, the leaves off the trees because yeah. candy. I mean, <laughs> and it's a good one. I um, like it. Gene Wilder. I don't care for the the remake. Uh, Charlie yeah, and Chocolate Factory. Even mention no, it. I don't like that. Uh, there's a um, there's a scene. There's a famous scene in Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette where, um, what's her name? Uh, Kirsten Dunst, who's portraying Mar uh, Marie Antoinette, just surrounded by cakes. Yeah, I yeah. see that coming up on a lot of people's lists. Um, I've seen that film. Uh, very interesting yeah, film. Yeah, it's interesting. Not much plot going on in it, but it's fascinating aesthetic film. Yeah, to it's watch. got that mix of, that mix of modern and, 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 you know, 
you know, old school stuff going on in it. Yeah. Well, she did have that famous line of the real Marie Antoinette. It's also in the movie as well. Uh, Let them eat cake. Yeah. Maybe while like, you know, the French people were starving in the streets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a great scene. Um, there's a great scene in Spirited Away that, um, that film by Hayao Miyazaki where there's just that, this weird creature and they're just surrounded by food. There's a gift that I'm looking at right here of it. Now, that's a great scene, but we're, we're, we're drifting Well, yeah, I mean, a, we're just, you know, now. trying to say that, you know, yeah. though, even in movies that are not necessarily about food, food can play a, a great role, can make for great scenes or really spice up a scene or something. You know, for instance, you, this Spiciness. is one of your favorite movies, Lord of the Rings, when Smeagol yes. pulls out that fish out of the water and just starts eating it raw. Delicious. Raw. Delicious. Ah. You know, like, <laughs> you love that. You know, that, um, make, that makes that scene um, great, you know. Oh, when the, the close-up of him, of him eating the fish raw um, at the beginning of Return of the King, is that what you were referring yeah, yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then there's another scene where he's... Um, um, where he's where he's in like the where they're in uh, Ithilien, yeah. where Faramir is and um, Sam and Frodo, and they catch and they catch him and he pulls a fish out of the water and he's beating just, it on he's the bashing yeah. it against the rock, <laughs> and he's like and trying to kill it, and trying and to eat also, it. Keep, it keeps slipping away. There's also Lampras bread. Oh, la- Lampras oh yeah, bread. fills uh, fills the stomach mm. of a grown man for for what three yeah. days, something like that. And um, but yeah, food can play a great role <laughs> even even when it's not the the center of a movie. Food can always can always uh, you know make for greatness in in a scene, but um, there, of course there's there's yeah, there's there tons were... of stuff we could have talked about. But I mean, Stephen, a question. Okay, okay, I'm listening. Um, drifting into a weirder territory. Oh Jesus. Oh, uh, I guess mine as well. This is the Cinema Discovery Project. <laughs> Would you consider films about cannibalism a food movie? No, I don't. No, no. <laughs> okay, so Soylent Green, Raw. No, um, not food movies, et cetera, et cetera. No, that's uh, something. That's that's a deeper. That's something else. Yeah, because I'm seeing like those are more horror. They're more horror. Well, they're horror movies, but they're not. We're not talking about like now. If the movies were like about how to cook humans and like the best <laughs> way to get to like you know, then that would be one thing. But they're not. They're just that's just the cannibalism has is like a allegory for something else. You know. Well, uh, yeah, I mean something like um, Sweeney Todd, sure, Demon Barber, Fleet Street, where they're making the the, the meat pies. I guess uh, you have Delicatessen, which is I think Jean Pierre Jeunet's film from '91. That's an odd film. You gotta if you if you if those of you who haven't seen that film, check it out. I know Jean Pierre Jeunet; he's known for doing Amelie. Yeah, but he's done he did other films, and Alien Resurrection doesn't count for anything. <laughs> so we're not we won't even talk about that. Um. Uh, I was just wondering. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't know that I consider because I'm looking at a list and they keep well, bringing up like soiling. Well, I mean, look. Let's like talk that. to a cannibal. We need to get cannibal in here <laughs> and see what he thinks because uh, I don't think we're gonna get the right perspective from us unless you're a cannibal. I didn't. I don't know. Uh, have you ever seen the movie? Uh, this is. We're just going off book here. Have you ever? Do you remember the comedy waiting? Yeah, yeah, of course. With Ryan oh, Reynolds yeah. and all those cats. Um, watching that movie, did it ever make you squeamish every time you went to like uh, a, a well? It, ma- it like made that? me definitely not want to fuck with the people that were serving my food. I can tell you that. Yep, I never fuck with them. I, I to this day, I will I never. I yeah, hmm. no, I will never you. send food back. <laughs> <laughs> nope, this is delicious. This is, this is not even this is what great. I wanted. This is yeah, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and yeah, we we could cool. go into a lot of stuff. I think we covered a lot. Um, 
there's tons of stuff. If there's what something that you love that we missed, put it in the comments. You know, tell us some of your favorite food movies or food moments in movies. Um, Andrew, where can you be found? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Capzilla06, as well as my YouTube channel, Capzilla Productions. And you can find me on Facebook, Stephen Billings. Uh, you can find me posting all the things I buy on Instagram, Cinema Discovery Project. You can also find the audio for this pod- podcast on Podbean or Apple Podcasts. That'll be it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and hey, keep on watching them movies. I know I will.